Hello, everyone. Welcome to Graybeard Chronicles. I'm Kevin Harkins. And I'm Brian Halstead. And this is episode number one. Here we go, number one. Our topic tonight could be considered a little bit of a dark topic. Um, the title of it is Suicide in America, the epidemic we're not talking enough about. Kevin, what are your thoughts on that statement, suicide in America? and classifying it as an epidemic. Yeah, so when you said that, when you said to me that you wanted to focus on this one, on this first one, and, and by the way, for our listening audience, just to let you know how we're going to do this as time goes on, we will, um, every week, the other one of us gets to pick the topic. So Brian got to pick this first one, and he, he picked suicide. And I started thinking about it, and I actually had the thought that you just said, and that was, uh, it, it was kind of dark, and it kind of surprised me. But, you know, as I, as I started to think about it, started to read about it, started to um, reflect upon some of my own uh, experiences with people who have actually completed the act, I thought, goodness, uh, especially in the world that we both came from, you know, uh, law enforcement, military, first responder, uh, those kinds of people, in particular, it's, it, I mean, it's an epidemic across, but I know that you had mentioned there was, you know, there would be a focus on that because um, those are the people who spend a lot of time engaged in literally daily life and death decisions. They're making decisions, you know, when you're in the military, you're making decisions when you're a first responder, when you're an EMT, when you're a police officer that you know you decide one thing versus another thing and it literally has life or death consequences uh, and and then the foundation of suicide is depression that is rampant all over the place and uh, so yeah we got to talk about it and uh, I'm certainly not an expert on it I've been impacted by it affected by it but I will, I will just make sure that everybody knows I am not an expert on suicide. Um, I am an expert on uh, really not a whole lot of anything. But, uh, but I do know that I have some thoughts about it. So, yeah, long answer to a short question. Sorry about that. That's all right. We have a, uh, as much time as we'd like this evening. So I'm no expert either. I appreciate you calling that out, Kevin, because, um, you know, we don't claim to be as experts on, on suicide or suicide prevention. Uh, the information that we're going to be sharing tonight is based on our own personal knowledge and experiences. Uh, unfortunately, both of us know uh, folks who have uh, completed the act of suicide, unfortunately. Uh, one, uh, for, for me personally, not, uh, not too long ago. And um, it's troubling. It's absolutely troubling. It causes you to, to wonder, you know, was there, was there more? Were there that could have been done? Were there signs that uh, that were missed? And it's uh, it, it's challenging. And the, the reason that I call it an epidemic is because of the the sheer numbers. And I think that um, you know ultimately my goal behind us having this conversation and me picking this topic is uh, the fact that we're not talking about it enough. Um, okay. You know there was a. There was a tragedy in, in my local community, our local community, not too long ago where, um, unfortunately, a, a young lady was killed in a traffic accident. And there, you know, it was 
you know, rightfully so, a lot of people getting engaged after that about you know traffic safety and the condition of the roadway, uh, roadways in our county, and there's there's big things happening now as a result of that. Um, and the reason I, I bring that up is is because I don't think that there's enough happening to bring attention to this epidemic of suicide. So we pay a, a great deal of attention to traffic safety, and we should. I'm not suggesting we reduce that. I'm just suggesting that we need to pay a little more attention to the fact that uh, in 2017, 47,173 Americans completed suicide, yeah. killed themselves. Let me, let me ask you to make a connection for me. The auto accident and suicide, what is the connection to those two events? So maybe that was an incomplete thought. So yeah. um, the connection is the, um, the outcry that occurred after that, right? So the, the, the public getting involved, now wanting to do something different with the safety of the roadways and making sure that um, especially, especially young drivers are, um, you know, are not having to deal with some of the roadways that are in our community, you know, no shoulders, narrow roadways, um, limited uh, line of sight when you're leaving different intersections and, and so on. Um, and now there's, there's lots of things happening to um, do things to improve our, our roads because people are now getting involved, right? So it, it's something that impacted those folks personally and it's a loss they suffered and now they're getting engaged. Got it, and, thank and you. And so what I'm, what I'm trying <laughs> I was, to do, yeah, the connection yeah. Is, is that, um, you know, they, they got involved because it, it They it became aware, they, become, they became yeah. aware, got it. Now I got it. So, so the, the fact that it was an auto accident had nothing to do with suicide. No. No, it just had to do with your point that people become aware of something and then they get focused on it and Absolutely. that's what we're trying to do here and is that why you chose to I mean what was the real reason I meant to ask you that straight away but what was the real reason you chose suicide for this topic so for me uh, the motorcycle club that I'm, I'm affiliated with I'm a member of strength and honor motorcycle club is a, uh, a club made up of um, public safety professionals uh, cops firefighters uh, EM, EMTs uh, military personnel both um, past and, and present and because there is such a degree of suicide in those career fields mm -hmm. uh, it is something that we have have focused on for a number of years to bring awareness to and then someone that I knew here recently uh, completed suicide and that ultimately is, is what got that spinning in, in, in my head again and it's always a topic that we're interested in uh, doing fundraising for and, and so on. So it's always in the, in the forefront of my mind. So I'm going to share some thoughts about that because I've also experienced somebody who was fairly close to me. Uh, but before I do, I'll ask you, when that happened, what were your, what, what went on in your brain um, when, when you became aware of that situation or when you repeatedly become aware of it, if, if you do? For me, it's, it's something that's not common for people that I know. I mean, you hear about it every day, but you, for me, it's been a fairly rare occurrence that I actually knew the people pretty well. So when that happened or happened, has happened a number of times to you, what was your reaction to it? Or what, what's go, what goes on in your head? So I think there's, um, there's several emotions that, that come to mind when you ask that question. So I think the, the first thing is um, shock. Yep. Dis disbelief yep. that this yep. is this, this has actually occurred, uh, and then um, it may shift to, to anger. Um, anger 
you know, maybe at the at the individual for um, for this act, um, anger with yourself or or you know disappointment in yourself that maybe there was more you could have done, mm -hmm. um, signs you you missed. Yeah. Um, and I think those are the first things that come to mind. You know, it's just a disbelief, really. Yep. Uh, in fact, when I first heard about it, the recent experience that I've been close to, and I won't name names, but uh, a friend, pretty good friend. I wouldn't say really close, but close enough that I, I considered him to be a mentor, and uh, I learned a lot from very, very talented guy, very brilliant guy. And then one day it happened, and I just couldn't believe it. I, And I went from shock, like you said, to... Um, complete disbelief like that they must have made a mistake and then and then it it actually went to yeah anger frustration disappointment just this whole ripple and I um, and I'm st actually I still experience it and for me the point thinking about this topic today as I was thinking about this podcast was when when somebody completes the act of suicide They've typically, and this is my sort of connecting dots that maybe I can't connect, have become so dark in their own mind that they don't really fully understand the impact that it has on all of the people out there who know them and love them. And it's huge. Um, and, it's, it's, and it's that way with everybody. And so anyway, I just, ugh, it was... Yeah, I could have done something. I could have helped. I want to. How did I miss it? All of those things were so frustrating, and and now, I am tuned in. Um, you know, if there's the signs of of suicide, I'm sorry, somebody who's thinking about it. You know, depression, withdrawal, um, actually talking about it. Um, those things, if you're starting to see those kind of actions and words from people, it's time to pay attention. And it's time to get over any kind of, you know, maybe barrier that you might have to approaching them because their life literally might be in danger. And, and you might be the person who crosses that barrier and says, are you okay? Do you need some help? Are you, uh, you know, so I'm tuned in like unlike ever before. So thanks for picking the topic. Yeah, you're certainly welcome. I... Um I heard something that, that you were saying there when you're talking about the uh, the impact that it has on the the folks left behind, the family, the friends, the coworkers, and I had a uh, I had the opportunity to sit in on a presentation a couple years ago, and um, this Marine Corps Sergeant Major, and I apologize that I, I can't recall his name right now, was uh, was talking about an organization that he's affiliated with, and how they've helped a number of veterans get through. Uh, suicide attempts and uh, he's had many conversations with folks that have attempted it and he kind of shifted my mindset to a degree because I I always well prior to hearing his presentation I had the opinion that suicide was an incredibly selfish act an act of not caring about those people that you leave behind and, and the pain and, and suffering that they're gonna have to deal with you know the birthdays and the weddings and I've heard that all same of that thing. stuff yeah. that that you know you're not going to be there for yeah um this his presentation shifted my mindset on that a little bit 
because what he said in, in conversation with these folks that had attempted it and were in a really dark place and they were able to help them get back on track, uh, to a person, what they said was they, they were doing this, and we're talking about military folks that are you know, of the you know, take charge, uh, type A personality. And their mindset in this, this final act that they were attempting uh, to, to uh, complete was that they were actually relieving those folks, those loved ones, everybody associated with them because they got, whoever, the yeah. Yeah, they got to the point yeah. that they were, they felt like they were a burden on them. And that was their final act of taking control of things. Okay. And putting that to, to an end, if you will, yeah. and, and not being that burden and so on. Um, I, I, you know, I, I've not been in that dark place and, and um, I, I pray I'll never get there. And so I don't, I can't, I can only imagine what that must be like for those folks. But it was interesting to hear him relate that story because, you know, that, uh, that makes sense to me. Yeah. And it changed the way I felt of, about it being a completely, you know, selfish act. I, I've heard the same thing. In fact, you, you remind me of a, uh, a Coast Guard officer from a couple decades ago who completed the act of suicide. And uh, I think you're right because I've heard that it's a selfish act and, you know, I, I remember even thinking about that and thinking, gosh, you know, there's probably some truth to that in some respects. But you're right. Uh, everything I knew about this other case was this guy felt like he had made such a big mistake and, such ha and his actions had, had shed such a bad light on his organization and on his family and on his environment that the only answer apparently was to um, remove this burden from everybody and just, you know, cause it all to come to a stop. And that, yeah, that's... He was, he was in control of that. He was in, yeah. I didn't even think about the control piece. That's, a, that's another good, yeah, that would be a, that could be a whole PhD dissertation. I'm, I'm sure people have probably done that already, so. Right. <laughs> so as we, uh, as we talk about this, and, you know, again, we, we're calling it a, an epidemic. You know, I called out that overall number. Just wanted to, to highlight a, uh, a few more statistics here that, uh, that may get your attention and cause you to really want to do something more about this and, and start talking with people, having conversations and, and paying attention. So in addition to that 47,173 Americans, that's 129 a day that are completing the act of suicide. There are According to statistics, there were 1.4 million attempts, and the 10th uh, the leading cause of death in the U.S. in 2016 was suicide. Uh, the second leading cause of death for those ages 10 to 34. Yeah. And it was the fourth leading cause for those ages 35 to 54. You know, Kevin, I'm sure many folks that are listening to this now have, have heard the... Um, the 22-a-day veterans, right, that statistic. Right, right. Uh, that actually has been a very effective message that people are getting out there. And I think that the um, that number's actually come down a little bit. The uh, Most of the stuff I was reading in preparation for this uh, is that the number is down to like 20 a day. Now, oh, I'm not all. celebrating right, that, right, you know, because right. that's that's still a big number. Right. Um, what, I, what I am calling out is, is this awareness 
this talking about it, the, getting the message out there, is having an impact. And we need to do more of it. Keep talking about it. Yeah. Absolutely, keep talking about it. The thing that about that stat, the one um, that really leapt out at me was <clears throat> for every, and it's, it's, it's probably the same number you have presented in a different way. For every suicide completed, there are 25 attempts. Think about that. That's crazy, the number of people that are attempting this. And, you know, obviously, if, if it's an attempt, maybe sometimes and in some cases they really don't want to cash it all in. What they're really doing is uh, sending a signal to the world saying, I need help. And, and that's why this is an attempt and not, you know, something that actually comes to full completion. I guess, and, and so for me, it's, yeah, what are, what are the signs? And for, <laughs> well, I'll get to that in a minute. What are the signs? How do you recognize them? And we talked about it already. It's, you know, it's people that are withdrawn. It's, they're very depressed. They're pulling back. They might be talking about suicide. They're talking about hopelessness. They're overwhelmed with guilt and shame and frustration and you know, if you if there's somebody who's just you can you can sense they're in that deep dark place, whew, yeah. Um, and then what what do we do about it? Do you, do you know, it's, it's funny you say that with the um, and, and not funny, haha. Right. Um, I've right. heard stories about folks that um, know people that that have uh, have completed the act of suicide and they talk about their behavior leading up to it, and then on like the day before or within a couple of days before uh, the actual act, they change, right? So they, they've been in a state of depression, they've been having difficulties and so on, and then all of a sudden they're like a, a new person. So, you know, in, in a good mood, um, maybe going around and visiting folks that they hadn't seen in a while. Um, Interesting. It's, so it's, it's like they've, they've made the decision. Yeah. And now they're saying their goodbyes. Right. Or you know, right. in their mind, they're wow. they're getting that that closure. Wow. Um, I, I I remember that came to mind just when you were when you're talking about that. So and another thing is, you know, just something as simple as um, as giving away prized possessions. Right. right. Um, that right. that's a classic sign. Right. Um, that I've 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 always heard and, and been taught in right. uh, in, in classes. So um, the the one thing I'd like to say about suicide is uh, this is something that that we said when I was working in law enforcement, you know, we saw this, you know, many, many times. And uh, some, they, they were all sad, and some of them were just real head shakers. And uh, the term that, um, that we, I don't know if it helped us deal with it, um, but ultimately what, what we said was it's a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Yeah. And it really yeah. is. Yep, absolutely, yeah. For some reason, all this reminded me of when I was um, doing some consulting work with with the FBI. I had the opportunity to um, um, to interview people who uh, responded to crime scenes and um, and you know investigate crimes that occurred. And there was a woman that I met who was a photographer, and she uh, she would go to the most horrific scenes. This is getting back to um, the issue of PTSD and how seeing horrific things can cause you to, to start into a downward spiral, particularly in the military, law enforcement, and so on. She would go to a crime scene, and she would have to photograph 
dead bodies and you know these horrific things that were that were going on and i asked her the question i said how do you do that how do you um in your brain just um this young when i say young uh, young compared to me i'll, I'll say 30-ish year old woman who um seemed as happy and as light and as free as you could be and you know that was just the, the time i spent with her but when i was interviewing her and, and learning her job and uh and, and she said, what I do when I go to these crime scenes, and this was a coping mechanism, uh, and I'll get to the point after all this, is that she would actually flip a switch in her brain that would cause her to interpret everything, once that switch was flipped, as a cartoon. To her, none of this was real. It was, it, and that was the, and so she would go to the most horrific things, photograph the most unbelievable, I mean, the most unbelievable things that human beings will do to each other. Um, detailed photographic evidence of all of this, but in her mind, her way of not, because she wasn't suffering from PTSD, because I asked her about it, um, uh, she said, I, f I switch a flip, <laughs> flip a switch, <laughs> and, I, and it becomes a cartoon for me for the period of the time that I'm there. And then when I walk away from there, I switch back and I become a normal person. And so... I guess what I'm saying is all of us have the ability to find these coping mechanisms for things that are really challenging that may, um, and predetermined thought predicts present action. So if you visit a circumstance in your mind before you actually get there to the degree that you can, maybe that is an, a, a technique that can be used to some degree to help yourself interpret situations that you're dealing with that, uh, that maybe, you know, could take you down a dark path. Yeah, so there's two things that really jumped out when you're talking about that. Okay. And the, uh, the, the first thing is, you know, when you're talking about this 30-something this young woman that seemed to have this great life and so right. on, and then right. this horrible thing happened. Um, that caused me to think about something that we watched here just a little bit ago and some conversations that I've had with friends here recently about um, social media. Yep. And how, you know, folks like to paint this wonderful picture of their lives on social media yeah. when, you know, oftentimes behind the scenes, it's actually a damn train wreck. Yeah. You know, but they're they're yeah, painting this right. picture out there. Yeah. And, and folks that maybe are having some challenges in their own life are seeing this and thinking, man, how, how jacked up am I? Right. You know, my life's not like that. And so right. they start to have you know, these negative feelings about the, themselves and these negative thoughts based on the stuff that they're seeing in social media, which is really a facade that somebody else is putting out there to try to make themselves feel good about the crappy life that they're living. Right. And, right. you know, we, we got to figure out how to help all those people yeah. change that. And Absolutely. I mean, it ultimately, ultimately comes down to the, the thoughts that they're thinking and, you know, how that connects to the behavior that they're engaging in and, and the results that they're getting from that. So that, that jumped out when you were when you were talking about that. And then the other thing is the, um, you know, you said we all we all have different coping mechanisms. And my response to that was, do we? And and I, I, I have to ask that question because I think we are raising a society of people that can't cope with stuff, hmm. right? Can't cope with failure. You know how how many times have you heard the the folks that, you know, as, as we get up in age, yeah. you know, we're, our values yeah. are a little more right. rooted in times past. Right. And <laughs> the, um, you know, how many times have you, have you had conversations? I know I've had conversations about the, 
uh, youth sports of today, right. how everybody gets a participation trophy because right. we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings right. and show that there was some winners and some losers. Right. Well, reality actually has winners and losers. Right. So when you raise people to think that, oh, they're just going to get participation trophies every time they get involved in something in their life, right. you're setting them up for, for it's a lie. It's yeah. just an absolute lie, and you're setting them up for failure and disappointment. Yeah. So you have to teach them to lose. Teach them to get their asses handed to them. How to be a good And loser. deal yeah. with the yeah. emotions associated yeah. with it. Absolutely. Not make it okay um, so they don't feel those emotions because you're not doing anything to help them learn how to cope with it. Right. Sorry, I, I think I jumped up no. on the soapbox there no, for a no, second. No, it's okay because you, you reminded me of something now. So this is... I have a bit of background and training and some of my experience in, in mindset, peak performance mindset and that kind of thing. And um, one of the things that I've learned about on that journey, and it's it relates directly to what you just talked about, is one of the biggest mistakes that we make psychologically as human beings is we give control of our lives, we give control of our circumstances to external forces things that are happening out there, we allow, because of the way we choose to interpret it, to have a tremendous impact on us, on our psychology, on our thoughts, on our relationships. And ultimately, that is not, I mean, that's the road to hell it is, because you're, you are giving away control of your life. And so, um, relating it back to the topic here, you know, when you get to the point where you're so dark and you're so sort of without hope, if you're able to do it, or if, if you are a person who sees somebody going through that, either way, the concept to try to get a hold of is, why am I giving control of my life, my psychology, my thoughts, my everything, to everything out there, rather than taking control of it? What can I do to change it, rather than, yeah, because you look out at social media, and that's what reminded me of it, Everybody's got a wonderful life. Well, they don't. That's crap. They don't have a wonderful life. But you think they do, and, and therefore you feel bad about yourself because you don't have that wonderful life. While all of them do, you've just given control of your happiness to everybody out there beyond on the other side of the screen, and that is not, that is not a healthy psychological state to live in. That's my point there. No, you're absolutely right. Um, great, great point. So let's, uh, let's talk about what causes people to get to this point. And in particular, I want to talk about the um, public safety community. Okay. Those folks that are maybe transitioning out of, of that career or, you know, mid-career, where, wherever. Um, in particular, <coughs> the, excuse me. Well, let's talk about those folks transitioning out of it, right? So there's, there's been some examples of um, suicide in the news here recently with the NYPD. Right. You know, they've had, uh, I believe it's four officers in, in the last month that have committed suicide. Um, different situations for, for different officers. But ultimately, I think when, when folks separate out of either that arena of law enforcement or uh, fire and EMS or the military, I think there's a, there's a loss that occurs there. And it's, it's a loss of, of connection with those people. And the military in particular, and those career fields too, they do a great job of training you 
and, and bringing you in to this line of work, okay. this, this existence. Yep, yep. What I don't think they do a good enough job of is helping people transition out, whether it's at the end of an enlist, enlistment or you know, just a few years of, of working in law enforcement or you retired from, from law enforcement, um, the military has gotten, the military. Military's gotten better at it. They're, they, they're not perfect. But yeah, they, they have absolutely have. Yeah. I know there, yep. there's programs where yep. they're, they're working right. on that. Right. Um, and it's also up to the individual to figure out what they need to do to go on from there. Right. And the, the point that I want to get to here is I think if I had to narrow it down to just one word that's missing for a lot of these folks when they transition out of a career field like that, is the connection, that, that uh, feeling of belonging to something uh, bigger than themselves. Yeah. And I think that there's, you know, there's plenty of organizations out there for folks to get involved in. Um, you know, fraternal organizations, other types of civic organizations, you know, and, and presentations that you do and I do talking about uh, self-development. We talk about, you know, the importance of gratitude and how what yeah. that does for you right right how that makes you feel and and a, a lot of times folks are just you know they're 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 getting out of this career and they're going straight to the couch and yeah. there's nobody else on the couch and they just don't have that connection to to other people that keep them engaged challenge them maybe give them a sense of purpose mm. call, you know help them to feel good about who they are and what they're doing every day yeah and so how do we um, how do we get that message out there and, and, and help folks to understand that, um, you know, retiring and sitting on the couch is not the way to go about things. Yeah, awareness. Um, being aware that particularly those who are coming out of, uh, you know, those kind of jobs that, that they might be kind of living on the edge of some really difficult types of work that could have the impact. Friends and family just being aware of it and doing everything they can to help them um, get to that relatedness that you're talking about. Um, quick story, uh, I had the opportunity to sit on a, a dissertation committee recently um, where the focus of the dissertation was on self-determination theory. Self-determination theory is a theory, theory of motivation and it has three primary elements and what you just said is one of them. It's like a three-legged stool according to this theory that in order for you to be self-determined, these three things have to exist in your life. Autonomy, competence, and relatedness. Autonomy is how much control do you have over your life and your circumstances. Competence is do you have the skill set to do what it is that you, life is asking you to do. And relatedness is what you just said, are you connected? And if any one of those legs of the stool are missing, the stool falls over. And so there you have it, um, helping people when we're aware of it, make sure that relatedness piece is there, which leads to them to want to be self-determined. And if you're not self-determined, what are you? Something other than self-determined, which may not necessarily be a good thing. And that's when the downward spiral perhaps begins. So, um, Yeah, definitely something to think about. And uh, figure out a way to, uh, to monitor folks that you know in, in, in your lives that are in those types of career transitions or um, 
having personal difficulties, you know, just, just paying attention and, and, and helping uh, identify whether or not they're, they're connected or, or um, if they have control over their life or if they're, op- you know, they're operating on a one-legged stool. That's just right. that's bad. Right. Uh, not a lot of balance associated there. Um, yeah, fig- figuring that out and helping steer them in the right direction. You know, especially folks that came out of um, an environment where they got personal fulfillment from helping people, right? Yeah. There, there's a great deal of, of, at least for me, I, I, I feel a great deal of joy when I, when I help someone um, in a difficult situation. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's a really easy way that anybody that wants to can get involved in doing that. Right, figure out some type of charitable organization that you want to be a part of, and you, you know, identify the folks that you want to help, and seek out organizations that are doing that. Yep. You know, there's, there, there's, I've I've heard and read some statistics out there about the improved health of folks that are engaging in charitable Tremendous acts. Tremendous psychological advantages to doing that. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Oh, I had a thought and I lost it. I was gonna, I was gonna respond to something that you were saying, but um, uh, anyway, I'll go to a question that I had. If, I, if that pops to my mind, I'll come back to it. But um, if you were gonna, I know we kind of been all over the place here, but if if you were gonna pick some some nuggets, some takeaways that you wanted to make sure that people got from from this conversation, you know, just raw, right off the top of your head, what, what would they be? Talk about this epidemic to, with other people. Okay. Share it with your friends and pay attention to what's going on in your own life and the lives of those around you, people that you have uh, influence over, interact with, um, whatever. You know, just, just be more aware of what's happening around you at all times. Right. There are clues, I believe, and it's just up, up to us to pay a little greater attention. And, and share these numbers with people, you know that's um, that's a that's a great number of people that are that are taking their lives every year in our country and, and across the globe, and we we need to do something about it. You know I, I don't know if I threw this statistic out there, but um, let's just say, uh, for argument's sake, that um, somebody that's listening tonight, you know, didn't get in line when they were giving out the um, the ability to be you know show empathy for others. Um, you know, maybe this will get your attention. Uh, suicide and self-injury cost the United States $69 billion in 2015. Wow. So, so, so maybe you're not concerned about those people taking their lives, but let's, let's talk about that money for a second. What else could be done with $69 billion in the United States? Right, right. Right, so um, I, I remembered that thought that I was going to have, and the thought had to do with um, if – if you are, so I'm thinking about this, and this, this is my conclusion, from the two sides of the equation, both as somebody who is contemplating suicide and then those who is, wants to pay attention. If you're in the position where you're contemplating it, not always, but very often it's because something somewhere has gone wrong. Um, you know, you've done something, you've hurt someone, you've made a mistake, you've done something that in your mind has become so big and so powerful that that's the only solution. And what I would say to that is, I mean, we as human beings have to forgive ourselves. We have to forgive others. We have to realize there are a community of people out there 
that love you and care about you deeply, even when you think they don't, they do. And the damage that is done that ripples far beyond, you know, the suicide itself lasts forever. And, um, and it's way bigger than, uh, you know, than I realized until it happened to somebody close to me. Um, so that's point number one. And point number two for those who are being aware, I mean, there's a 1-800 number that we um, noticed, we discovered, <laughs> that is the same 1-800 number no matter what organization uh, that you're talking about. We probably should share that number. But so know what the signs are and know what to do about it. And know what to do about it is cross the barrier, ask the people what's going on, be the person that's willing to insert yourself into their lives because you may save the life. And what, what is the number, Brian, that you have? The number is uh, 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. Now, on the, um, because that is the same number across a bunch of different organizations, the one thing that did jump out when it's um, associated with the Veterans Crisis Line, it says to, uh, to press number one. Um, I suspect... If you called and didn't press number one, you'd still get somebody to talk to. <laughs> right. So, right. Um, yeah, great, great point. Uh, pay attention to the signs. Um, know what you can can do, and uh, yeah, the the fact that people do care, right? So if you're right. if you're ha- having challenges in your life, talk with somebody about right. it. Right. There are people out there that that are willing to help you do it differently, right? Or help you get in touch with the resources that you need to learn a different way yeah so yeah absolutely reach out so you know maybe sometimes there's you know a a little bit of uh humility hurdle that you have to get over yeah Um, because you know you may be a very proud person and uh and don't want to share your troubles with with anyone else and at the same time you know you're not doing yourself or anybody else a a favor by by not asking for help when you need it right so don't be afraid to do that well, that's got, I'm kind of done with everything I wanted to hit on. I, I don't know if you are, but I, uh, this has been a great conversation and even better than I thought it was going to be. Uh, not that I had low expectations. I actually had high expectations. But uh, this is <laughs> That's good. That's, uh, <laughs> that's certainly something good to enter into the program with. Right, right, um, right. Yeah, I think we've uh, we covered a great deal tonight, and uh, I believe that uh, there's information that we shared that, uh, that will help other people. Uh, start having these conversations and uh, start being a little more aware of what's going on. So uh, great talking with you as, as always. And I look forward to the topic that you're going to share with me at some point here before the next podcast. Yes, I am. And uh, we will talk with you all next week. And as you say, enjoy the ride. Yes, sir. Okay. All right. Thank you for listening. Please stay tuned to graybeardchronicles.com for future podcast dates and subjects. Until then, enjoy the ride.